Good morning, everybody. If you're brand new with us, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, for introduction's sake, my name's Aaron Stern. I'm the lead pastor here. This is my girlfriend, Jossie. <laughs> for any of you who are wondering, she is my wife, but she's my girlfriend. Uh, hello to the Becca Hawthorne fan club section. Uh, what a wonderful day uh, to gather together, worship the living God. Um, for anybody who's maybe brand new or new-ish or maybe has missed out on the last couple of weeks, we are in a series called Practice Slowing. And we have been in a, we've had a set of practice series, uh, practice community, practice generosity, practice scripture. And the reason is because we want to integrate the teachings of Jesus into our lives Practices, spiritual practices, are a vital and important part of our apprenticeship to Jesus. Uh, they, they help us become more like Him. Now, it's important as we think about that to realize that the practices in and of themselves uh, are not the goal. Like, like they, are a, they are not the end, they are a means to an end. So, it isn't just about... Uh, I read my Bible today. That's great, but hopefully did you meet God in reading your Bible today? Um, and so this practice, this series on slowing is about slowing down in order to do something, in order to become someone, really. And so we started the first Sunday of this series a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Sabbath, how God is integrated into uh, the fabric of creation and into who we are. It's integrated it into the Ten Commandments that we would practice Sabbath, that we would stop one day a week, stop from working, and practice delight and practice worship and practice uh, uh, resting and renewal and refreshment and do it in enjoyment of community, others, and the things that God has given to us. And so, as a reminder, as if you've been here or maybe as a uh, an announcement if you haven't. Uh, next Sunday, we're doing something unique around this particular practice, and that is that we're going to have an all-church Sabbath. So next Sunday, October 29th, all-church Sabbath. If possible, maybe your Sabbath is a different day of the week or whatever, try to adjust it. Mine is normally Friday. It's going to make it next Sunday. Uh, and so... And so start by coming to a gathering on Sunday morning, get our, lift our eyes in worship and, and our hearts towards God, but plan the rest of the day to include uh, the things and the people that bring you delight. So call your city group, uh, get together with some friends and family, have an amazing meal, uh, uh, don't clean up the dishes, don't do laundry that day, just enjoy and celebrate. Maybe you go for a walk, you go for a hike, but plan a day where it's full of delight and communal joy. And, and so that is next Sunday. And if you can't do it, maybe you have to work or something that keeps you from it, uh, maybe you could uh, do like half day Saturday, half day Sunday, or half day Sunday, half day Monday, or maybe you can't do Sunday at all. Maybe it has to be one, but try and pick a day so that we're all kind of in this together. And I find that when I'm doing something with other people who are also doing it, it becomes easier. Mm -hmm. And and so that's that's kind of the goal that we're uh, striving for. So uh, last week then we talked about about uh, solitude. Pastor Rich Velotis, one of our overseers, was here. Incredible message on solitude and abiding with God. And uh, I don't remember who said this. 
So I, I'm saying this, I'll take credit uh, for this, uh, that, that if you have a hard time practicing Sabbath, the best way to start is by practicing solitude and silence every day. So you kind of whet your appetite with a little five minutes uh, or ten minutes or whatever the time in silence and solitude, because as you experience the delight and the, and the enjoyment of the presence of God in that moment for who you are, you get to, you kind of think, oh, what would a whole day like this look like? And you start building towards that. So, uh, so talked about the ways that that looks if we have a weekly full day stop, that we have a daily stop uh, with and in the presence of God. So, uh, so we're going to continue this series today in a conversation with uh, Jossie and I talking and teaching uh, a bit about this, and then we'll be concluding this series next week. Uh, on our all-church Sabbath day. So, uh, spiritual practices, as I mentioned, are not the end. Uh, they are a means to an end, and particularly in terms of, of slowing, uh, the goal of slowing is to become people at rest in an anxious world. We have a world, and we live in a world that moves at a frenetic pace. We have a world that's moving faster and faster. Technology enables that in many ways, and as a result, it hasn't made us more calm, it has made us more anxious. And so we want to be people who in many ways like walk to the beat of a different drum. We live at a different pace. We don't seem to be caught up in the swirl. Now certainly that does not mean that we don't work hard. It doesn't mean that we're not fully engaged. It doesn't mean that, that somehow we're oblivious or avoidant or whatever. It just means that there's something about the pace of our lives and actually the pace of our souls that is different. I like to call it, I learned this from a, a Japanese theologian called Kosuke Kayama, uh, living at the pace of love, living at the speed of love. He wrote a book or an essay called Three Mile an Hour God. I'll read a quote from it. He says, Love has its speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore the speed the love of God walks. That's the kind of pace we want to find the pace of love, so that we can see others in love, so that we can see ourselves in love. We can see God in love. We can be present to God, ourselves, and others. Because I, I don't know about you, but when I'm moving fast, I'm usually more rude. You know, if I'm in a hurry and I'm driving and somebody like gets in front of me that drives slow, I'm not usually very nice to them. I'm not thinking loving thoughts towards them. So we want to move at a pace where we are able to, to look through the eyes of love. So um, I, I've shared over the course of these last couple of weeks, and specifically two weeks ago, about Sabbath and, and the story of, of lying to Jossie in 2007 uh, and saying to her, I've been lying to you for six years, and, and, and unknowingly or un, unconsciously, by saying I said to her by saying, I, this is just a busy time, insinuating or implying that there is going to be a slower time, but essentially that slower time never came, and how 
in, those, in that moment of awakening, I realized that slowness doesn't come to you. You have to go to slowness. And so it's been a journey for me, but it's also been a journey for Jossie and for us together. And so I just uh, wanted to invite Jossie to kind of bring her voice to this conversation and to this subject and talk about not just that, but some other things in relationship to what it looks like to, to slow down and the process of learning how to slow down. So how would you speak to that particular moment and maybe the process that, that this, these last 16 years have been for you? I think it was a gift for Aaron to recognize um, and to name what we were living into and what we longed for. Like, we look forward to slower, but just it kind of overtaking again and again. And granted, we had four small children and um, the life of ministry and so much that we love. So I think our world and culture almost perpetuates it's just what's normal. And so God's invitation is often revelation. And how do we incorporate the revelation that he brings in these things? So for me, um, I think one of the ways that I can identify the, like, too much of it um, is when Aaron would be, like, missions trips with some of the young people we led, and he would be gone. And I'd hold it all together and just manage, manage, manage. And he'd come home and then I would like fall apart. You know, like um, anxious, angry, uh, emotional. And not that that's, it's normal humanness. And God tends to us in that. But I think like what was coming up for me and how can I manage this differently to have reprieve for myself when he wasn't there or... Um, movement with the boys where it's like this time of night's hard for me how do i shift to where that goes differently um than the, the worst scenario of them all yelling at each other and me joining <laughs> um it's tricky you know um and then um so to, to take that kind of awareness to translate into our week to week and the gift of slowing and have living out of and working out of, like, resting in God was a big, uh, helpful journey to take together, but it was hard to stop. Our, I mean, our culture is just nonstop with things open 24 hours a day, things we can do at all times, and so if it comes to mind, I'm like, oh, I got to tackle it. There's just always more. It doesn't stop unless I choose to stop, like Sabbath or like loving union with Jesus. So I think the persisting in what does that look like and how do I grow um, and how do we grow in that? So I start with inquiring of the Lord. Like you see the fullness of my life, Lord. What would you invite me to do or to see differently? And um, I think of uh, looking at other people and seeing all that they're doing and thinking I could, should, would. That's amazing. I just want to add more and not realize what I'm holding is unsustainable. And so what is mine to hold? So asking of yourselves and of myself, my spirit, my mind, my body, my soul, my roles and my relationships, to start there and then to work outward with whatever adds from there. And sometimes I just think it's easier to respond to other people's needs than my own. I can let things pile up. But what are the things that the Lord would tend to in me that I'm in need of? Or what um, 
aspects of things I'm able to contribute to others, and then how do I receive from others? We're all different gift mix, so it comes into play in that way, too. Yeah, different gift mix and different seasons. Um, you know, Jossie just mentioned four boys, and, you know, even now we have two in college, two in high school, so it's different than it was when they were all under eight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it looks different, looked different than when we didn't have kids or Mm-hmm. So there's all these, I remember <laughs> I had the privilege in 2009 uh, to, I went to, with a friend, Glenn Packham, many of you have, he's been here, he's one of our overseers, he's a pastor in California, but he and I in 2009 had the privilege of going and spending three days at Eugene Peterson's house. Eugene Peterson is the translator or the writer of the message version of the Bible, and so we spent just a, him and I with uh, Eugene and his wife Jan at his house, stayed at his house, and 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 this was a, a couple of years now into this like how do we slow down uh, journey, and so I asked we asked him about his Sabbath, and he says oh yeah well we get up in the morning on Mondays and and we walk on a hike and we don't say anything to one another we're just watching the birds and and looking at flowers and observing the leaves and. And then we get to the spot, and we've packed a picnic, and we talk over lunch, and then we talk on the way back down. And, and Glenn and I, both with young kids, were like, how do you do that when you have kids? And he said, oh, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, and so talked through what that does look like. So, so I think it's so important to, to be able to figure out what does this look like for us? What day does it look like for us? What time does it look like for us? How does it, you know, when Jossie, when we did have a, a, a four young kids at, at home, sometimes it was, okay, I'll take them for a little bit and I'll watch them so you can go, you can go get your space, get some refreshing, go take a walk, go for a hike. And so, you, you know, there might be a way that you have to give that to one another um, and there's other times that it just becomes natural. You can do it together. And so, so it looks different in different ways at different seasons and considering gift mix and personalities mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. But nonetheless, we still keep working at it and looking for it. Um, I th- I, there was a, a metaphor for you in that season, that early season of gardening. You want to talk a little bit mm. about that? Yes. I think uh, perspective was helpful to see the rhythm of the earth, of like soil and a seed and the time it takes for a plant to come through and then to even bear fruit. And it's slow. So I think of like that to me was like, wait, that's the rhythm of the earth. Um, and the rhythm of a day-to-day, the, the time of light, the time of darkness, and just maybe paying attention to how different that is from what we can just clip along and add. And sometimes that's satisfying to just do a lot, but I think the invitation of uh, pace and um, the garden helped me when we planted that um, in the springs and here to just go, this is different and this is important. Mm -hmm. I love what you said about inquiring of the Lord because there is always more. Mm-hmm. And there's another email to respond to or another text. Oh, yeah. And we can remember. And, and I think this is, this is something that we still 
work through is the one little thing here. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I just thought of this. I'd love to check this off my list. And specifically on a day that we're trying to protect as Sabbath, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you just let those things go? Or write them down and do them all tomorrow. Or try to think of them ahead of time and do them before Sabbath starts. Right. Um, and, and maybe the bigger question is, what is mine to do? Mm-hmm. Right. I think sometimes when we were, and, and even still, um, it gets annoying because I'm like, oh, you have to, I have to plan for it in a way that the stop is possible. And not be rigid. Jesus, he, he flowed in the tension where, um, I mean, his disciples picking the wheat uh, as they walked and just all that. But I think how to plan and prioritize God's design. Um, and early in believing, I think it's like sweet to know God has a lot to say about the details of our lives. And do I just kind of nod at him and speak to living in his will and ways? Or am I willing to like do the big shifts of planning ahead and taking space? Uh, I think for me it helps to get away from what's right in front of me and clamors for my attention. Um, so to be out where, you know, the horse tooth overlook or when we were in Colorado Springs, Garden of the Gods, something that's vast and I'm like, I am small and all these things that I manage are mine, but I, they can wait. And God sustains me. God sustains the world. I'm a part of it, but I am also a vessel and a creature needing to receive from him in that. Um, I think too... The, the world that we live in offers more and it encroaches more. So with four boys and the sports world of like soccer opportunities or this or that, I just was like, uh, are we going to do that? And the struggle of um, choosing not to. Um, and I have dear friends who miss Sundays and care to be here, but it's just like how, how do we work with the vortex that our world will just pull in? job shifts, this and that, but so how do we um, talk to, well, how do we do this? And for me, talking with Aaron and with other people in our similar season, it helps me to have a sounding board to see clearly, like, really what's happening. Otherwise, I just move through and um, forget until I'm strained, and I'm like, oh, I'm not taking time for um, connection and abiding with the Lord. Um, and pausing. I think it's important, too, to be able to, to not think, oh, well, when the kids move out of the house and I'm an empty nester, or when I get married, or when, and we have these whens, and then that's when I'll start this, or then that's when it will be easier. I, I have talked to so many people, singles, in college, uh, empty nesters, uh, I mean, across the board, everybody's busy. It is so easy, and our world encroaches, as Josie just said, into every aspect of our lives um, that I think we need to make sure that we're not thinking when, but how do I do it now? God works in the reality of our lives. Yeah. Uh, there is one place where God is not present, and that is in disillusion. God is not present in unreality. 
He is only present in reality. So if we think, oh, well, when I get there or in this place of fantasy, that's when somehow I'll meet God. God is right here in the midst of the mess and yeah. the difficulty and the speed and everything. So we need to somehow figure out how to slow down and meet him there. Uh, one of the conversations that Jossie and I have had to come to and come around multiple times is, the conver- is a conversation around limits. Um, and, and, and in the sense of recognizing that we have them and embracing them. Uh, I think oftentimes, and this may vary depending on your personality or season of life or needs or whatever, but, but our, we, sometimes, we regularly want to avoid them, try to conquer them, break through them, um, ignore them. But the reality is that we all have limits. We are finite beings serving an infinite God. So we are not God, and as a result, we have limits. And, and so we've, we've talked a lot about what do we do and, and how do we navigate that. But like when you think of limits, and we've talked about limits, what kind of things have come to mind for you? Uh, I think with limits, I often try to pack too much in, and then my timeliness is challenged. <laughs> Um, my patience is challenged, um, my expectation of myself or others. Um, I don't like being limited. <laughs> it's humbling. Um, and uh, I don't know, how have you seen me in that struggle? Well, I think that you have, I think you've talked about shame around limits. Right? Uh, (laughs) that's great though if you have an example i'm happy to hear i feel like wow (laughs) when when you're talking about it in front of people i can like clean that up in my memory so much (laughs) but it's true yeah i mean i think you're a i want to do everything you know i I'll say, which one do you want to do? And she'll, you know, give her a couple of options. She'll say, yes. <laughs> no, they have to pick one. Um, and, and so, but I think like you have, I think you and I em- engage limits differently or think about them differently, but I think you regularly think you should be able to. Yeah. Right? Like you should be, I should be able to do this. I shouldn't be limited by this. Mm-hmm. I should be able to, so, you know, I, uh, you, I should be like, Mm-hmm. Right. I have a few friends who are much higher capacity than I am, and so I'll compare myself and... I actually disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> there are high capacity in a different way than Jossie. Jossie has a higher capacity in other areas that they are lower capacity in, but what she sees is activity and and a different type of production. And so like, wow, look how much they're doing. Look at how they renovated their house. Or look how many, you know, they painted this and they did this and they redid this and they're selling this and they started a business. And, and <laughs> It has been a hurdle I've returned to over the years to reconcile what is mine and what do I do and what do I not do and how to at peace (laughs) and to say like you're not them 
God didn't make you with those gifts. God didn't ask you to do those things. Mm -hmm. So what is God asking you to do? Mm -hmm. and, and this is the other thing about limits. We, we maybe generally, our culture doesn't celebrate limits. Our culture embraces limitlessness and thinks we should be able to do whatever it is that we want to do. And, and if we can't, then find the technology to enable us to do that. But it certainly doesn't say that you're going to be able to break through your limits by stopping and slowing down. Uh, but what I have found, and I, I love and hate this at the same time, is that God is in our limits. That, that limits are actually a gift. Second mm -hmm. Corinthians chapter 12 uh, says that we, Christ's, we experience God's strength when? In our weaknesses, in our limits, in our limitations, in our finiteness. Right, and his power rests upon us in that. In that. I would, I, I, I like, I love that. I love God's, we want to walk in God's power but who and his strength. the sense of our weakness? But I would much rather Anyone? that God's strength rest upon me in my strength. <laughs> that I've, that's where I find him. But actually we find him and meet him and his power and strength in our weaknesses. It's so true. And so, so, so maybe we're missing out on God when we try to bust past our limits. Yeah. And I think there are different seasons that we need to receive more. Like in some of the, um, I don't know, uh, season shifts where there's a big transition or losses that are debilitating with what we're able to do of places that I've received more deeply from others. I wouldn't have chosen it. But because of the need, it, like the inroads became a reality and it was beautiful and important. And I think there was a deeper sense of community and of love and of shared goodness that we could, you know, give in that way when we can or receive in that way when we have need. And just a humble sense of, I need. And I'm not doing it all. And, I, and to celebrate the beauty and gift in other people's lives, but to celebrate the limits has been new for me. I want to talk just a little bit about Sabbath and maybe some specifics. Um, Genesis chapter 2 is where the Bible records God instituting s Sabbath, instituting a day of rest. Uh, in the first chapter of Genesis, he creates and in six days. And then it says in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So here God creates or makes the Sabbath day holy. God makes it holy. Exodus chapter 20 is where the uh, the first recording of the Ten Commandments, the, the command to practice Sabbath is the fourth commandment, and it starts out by saying this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So God made the Sabbath holy, we keep it holy. So it isn't just God made it holy, so therefore your the seventh day of the week is automatically holy. Actually, we have a partnership in that by keeping it holy the way we keep it holy is by resting on it. God made it holy by him resting on it. We keep it holy by us resting on it. And so, so 
Can you talk a little bit about the rest for you? I know for me, that has meant turning my emails off. Um, that has meant not working on my sermon just a little bit more. That has looked like not the little extra things. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you uh, talk about that and maybe even talk about some of the things that interfere mm-hmm. with Sabbath? Right. I, I think with the boys being littler, it was trying to plan ahead with meals, with laundry, with even just letting things go that feels unmanageable to let it go daily, but just not cleaning the counters off, not um, doing all the things I am accustomed to doing. It helps me to get away from that, so like to take the boys on a walk or a hike or to a, um, a different context of just being instead of like picking the things back up that would be so easy um uh, and then of course with communications and all the tasks like it is it it is a persistent discipline and i i don't know what else to say about that (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's all right and how i think it's worth stating that this has been we're not perfect at it um but we have been working at, uh, working at it for years, 16 years since that epiphanal moment, and, and growing and trying to figure out and adjusting to seasons and all of that. But um, I think it's worth noting that you, it, it takes time. It is worthwhile. I'll say this. Sabbath and solitude have maybe been some of the most transform, personally transformational practices uh, that I've ever practiced. And I, that is not in any way to diminish reading the Bible or praying, but, but, I, but, but to practice Sabbath and solitude has enabled my Bible reading and prayer to become more meaningful yeah. or to be able to do it at all. Because sometimes I'm, if, I'm not, if I'm moving so fast, I don't have time for that, or I'm just going to kind of skim through it. Mm-hmm. And so, so this practice influences the rest of the practices. Yeah. Our ability to practice community is facilitated by our ability to slow down and be present to one another. Yeah. I remember in one of the Eugene Peterson books that we've read together, he speaks of the myth of Prometheus, which is like a Greek god thing that speaks of us not being aware of our mortality, um, having, what are the other two things that it speaks of? A blind drive. A blind drive. Say the other one. And, and... Technology. Technology, that's just more, more, more. When, when, he, when Eugene unpacked that in the book, it helped me to go, oh, these are the things I totally do. But I think of their goodness of productivity, or I think of the goodness of the drive. But I just think it's like without inquiring of God, what are the boundary lines with what I have and can be productive in a satisfying way? Or that I don't see that at one point, you know, I do have my mortality. How am I spending this gift of life? Mm-hmm. And just perspective that is a little more sobered and um, takes time to like see what's at play instead of just driven more and more and the years pass and all of a sudden we're like wow what did we just do mm-hmm. but like God in the midst of it having our attention and our interaction and our receptivity to be led otherwise I feel like I'm in charge of it all and then I just get off kilter Our weekly practice is the same or similar to last week, and that is to spend 
daily spend five minutes in silence and solitude with God, resting in his presence and delight, and plan for the all-church Sabbath. So I put in that last one on purpose because it does take some planning. Don't get to next Sunday and be like, oh, what are we going to do? Like, call some people. Call your city group. Get together. Plan a meal. Have some, like, let's, let's bring it together. Let's have the best food of the week. Let's linger. Let's figure out how to have a longer meal. Let's set up for this time together. Uh, in, include in your day uh, life-giving, delightful, delighting activities and people. Um, and daily spend five minutes. Uh, and I added a line this particular week, and that is resting in his presence and delight. Um, so, so for Sabbath, we want a, a, a day of worship. So start here in, at Mill City in worship. Move into and delight in that. Move into delight and, and a communal experience together. Um, but in those, in those daily five minutes, I know that this has been an ongoing process for both of us, but... Um, talk about some of the ways that that five minutes or that just, whether it's five or ten or two, uh, silence with God, like being with Him, mm-hmm. imagining His delight towards you, uh, his, 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 his joy to just be with you yeah. and enjoy you. Talk about some of the process that that's been mm-hmm. for you. It's actually been really hard for me. Uh, I think when Aaron and I first were learning and taking time to be still in the Lord's presence, my awareness was a sense of like, I'm not going to hear from you. You're not, like, you don't care about me, you care about what I do. It just was these distortions that would surface for me, and I think it was really important for me to see and feel that. I felt like I was a disappointment to God, and some of that is just messages of my own life journey or of where I find my value and so to to just sit and be with didn't I didn't experience a sense of delight I didn't experience a sense of communing with him even it was just like walls in my own heart or sense of being so it didn't appeal to me anyone want to sit in that no (laughs) so but the sense of like wait Jesus, you spent time with the Father. What's that like? And what is my distortion of myself or the Father? And it helped me recognize lies I was believing about him or of myself. But there was also this resistance of like, I don't want to slow down for that. And then a performance of like, how do I do it right so it feels good? (laughs) But just like, here I am, Lord. I come as I am. Um, I love the invitation that... um, as much as I get distracted, returning to him again and again is that many times to encounter him. Or having those distortions and bringing my heart to say, God, would you help me see myself? Like, align my heart with yours toward me. Align my heart with yours about who you really are. That's important as the people who have chosen to follow Christ, to walk with him in our discipleship. Something that I had to do, too, was flip the idea of God delighting in me, as it says in Zephaniah, that he delights over us with singing. I thought, I don't know, but I think, okay, what do I delight in? I delight in the face of a loved one. I delight in connecting. Um, 
with a close friend I haven't seen. So the thrill of thinking, seeing them when I haven't seen them for so long. Or I know it happens every day, but the delight for me <laughs> of a sunset. Like it will just be like, oh, it's amazing. She, she reacts to a sunset as if it's never happened I before. I know. And I startle him. My gas. She is does. Like, She's like, oh, and I'm like, what did you? What happened? It's just like, the wonder sunset. of the beauty. But for me, I have to flip that of that delight is like, that's God's heart for me, his delight. And so I um, ask the Holy Spirit to infuse my imagination. So ask the Holy Spirit, lead my imagination, because the enemy wants to fill our imagination with fear, with pressure, with distortion. And so I think Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Help me see. I'm not seeing rightly. If this is who you say you are in your word, a present help in time of need, close to the brokenhearted, then my heart wants to run to you. Um, but if I'm feeling it and seeing it in a different way, what stands in the way of that? What realities are causing that to be how I see? So I just think, oh, it has transformed um, my experience. And I'm not saying there aren't times now where I'll sit and be like, I don't have time for this or feel bored or feel like it's not all the feel good, but it's enough time that I'm like, I know the connection with a shepherd who sees and loves and leads. And I'm just, I'm thankful for that awareness to grow and for the barriers to become very apparent to me as well. I know how to navigate them better. I can articulate it. I can ask for Aaron to pray with me or, you know, just move in it um, with grace and with the ability to see it and to value what God designed in the way we have the rhythms of our lives. I've, we've, I and we have found that these practices bring what maybe we know in our heads into our hearts and into our bodies, into our lives. I can, I can quote scriptures about the love of God. It's another thing to say, I can receive and experience the, the love and delight of God. But the reality is, is that God delights in us. He delights in you. God delights in you. Yeah. Like God can't get enough of you. He longs to spend time with you. Like you sitting with him, he's like, I think he's like, oh, yes. <laughs> I love you. I can't get enough of you. I want to spend time with you. God, in the very beginning, created the world, and he created humans, and he says, this is very good, and that's exactly what he says about you. He doesn't just say it about the general humanity. He doesn't just say that about them. He says it about you, and he says it to you now, yeah. and he says it to you in that moment. And if you can get into that moment with God where you hear that voice from God and you, you don't just know it in your head, but you feel it in your heart and you see it and you feel it and you, his gaze of, of love towards you that says, oh, I delight in you. I love you. He delights in you. He loves you. He knows you. He wants to be with you. More than you could ever imagine. And honestly, if you can get that not just in your head, but in your heart, and live into that reality, it will change your life. Because what it means is that you will live out of the delight of God. Yeah. And oftentimes, if we're not living out of the delight of God, we are chasing after the delight of God. We're chasing after, though, then something that we've already got. Like I'm trying to approve, get your approval. 
get your love. Will you love me if I do this? And maybe it's subconscious, but we've already got it. We don't have to chase a blessing. We can live out of one. And so I'm going to close by reading a prayer. It's found in the book, Every Moment Holy. And it's adapted, but uh, meaning it's, it's shortened just a little bit. But if you would, just open your hands like this. I'm going to read it and pray it over us. The words will come on the screen if that's helpful for you. But if you would receive this into your heart and, and make it your prayer as well. We praise you, O Lord, for our limits. Limits you have given us for our good and for your glory. We praise you for this blessing. We praise you for the boundaries of our beings. We have made, you have made us finite creatures that we may be, may be held and known. You have made us finite creatures that we might exult in the infinite wonders of your beauty, your majesty, your love, your power. May we on this day lay down our pretensions of power, shedding the burdensome dreams of our own grandeur. And may we find instead contentment in our creatureliness. We are your creatures, alive because your breath has filled our lungs. We are your people, restored because your salvation has found us. May the stresses of obligation, reputation, and deadline here dissolve. May we find rest in the renewed certainty that we need not be feared or respected or popular or successful or somehow perfect to be loved by you. There is no striving here at the end of our limits. Forgive our former strivings after our own righteousness, O Lord. In our smallness, let us celebrate your greatness. In the ocean of your presence, let us ride upon the, upon the waves of endless grace, unselfconsciously delighting in the scale of a creation and of a creator and of a redemption so much greater than ourselves. Amen.